Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Oh, yeah, boys. Mmm. Here we go. Ugh. Mixed marshmallow. Don't, don't uh me. Don't <laughs> uh me. You know, we can't start over. We're live, AK. Jeez. That's sound. That's sound. Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. And now your host, Mike. Heck, there's no there's no three names. I need, I need like, a three-name thing. All right, we got off to a horrible start. We're live. Jeez Louise, Casey. I love how the beginning of these preview shows, it's like an Al Green song or a Barry White song with these these sounds you make. The, uh, I, uh, Master P, maybe? I don't know. Whatever. A little, a little Tom Jones? A little Tom yeah, Jones in there? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, geez Louise. A little Wayne Newton. But we, we can't be talking about Wayne Newton because we're not in Las Vegas this weekend. We are in... New York on Long Island, UFC Long Island going down tomorrow. Some early day MMA prelims at 11 a.m. Eastern, main card at 2 p.m. Eastern. And it's all going to be capped off by a fun one, a pivotal fight in the 145-pound division. Brian Ortega returns for the first time since his loss to Alexander Volkanovsky, where he was so close to becoming the featherweight champion of the world. He's going to thwart the attempt of Yair Rodriguez, who will look to earn a title shot in his own right. Thank you for joining us. I am Mike Hack, being joined by the P to the OP, my best friend, Mr. Alexander K. Lee. Hello, sir. Oh, I'm, t- I'm really good. Sorry, I'm really excited about uh, the show and uh, and who we have here. I'll, I'll let you introduce him first, because I actually have to ask him a question. Oh, okay. Uh, I, maybe AK is a little upset because people were questioning the MMA fighting global rankings on heck of a morning no. not too long ago. Oh, were they? But, oh, I missed that. I missed that. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were actually paying attention to the show. Some best friend you are. Uh, also joining us, also joining us, the man with the best theme song in all of MMA, a man who is our boots on the ground on Long Island for this event. Let us say hello to Mr. New York Rick. New York Rick. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Um, I want to just say I want to congratulate you and and applaud you for making sure that you hit on Long Island. Important. Um, I want to also confirm that I do have the best theme song in MMA. And then I want to say, look, I'm available. If you need a new best friend, it sounds like, you know, AK Lee's kind of (laughs) 
um, derelict in his duties, let's call it, I'm here. I'm here if you need a new best friend. Wow. I mean, how look at Vegas. <laughs> how badly will I be beaten if I was in Long Island and I said, I'm in Long Island? How how upset are what do people get? No, it's it's a forgivable faux pas. Um, right. but they'll 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 know you're they'll know you're not from around there. Uh, once you once you get into that. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Because Massachusetts, we have Cape Cod, and you don't say I'm going to I'm going like to be in Cape Cod. It's on Cape Cod because Cape Cod is multiple places oh, within man. one area. So I get it. I, I get it, York Rick, and I get it, Long Islanders. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I also understand that you will be treated to a fun main event at 145 pounds between Yaya Rodriguez and Brian Ortega. New York Rick, just wanted to get your thoughts on this matchup because in the Jose Young's world of high-level MMA is 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 king it checks off all the boxes this one does it it's a very fascinating fight considering the styles that each individual fighter brings to the table respectively your thoughts on this main event to close the show tomorrow on long island yeah i i think you nailed it this is going to be martial arts at a, at a very high level um i think both of these guys know that there's a lot at stake here the the featherweight division is crying out for a contender and if they can put on the performance that they're both capable of and and i think the reason this matchup is so good is because they are both capable of those types of performances and we've seen them from them before if they can do that uh they will be you know likely uh next in line for alexander volkanovsky so uh, a lot at stake here but i do think tech technically this matchup is very intriguing i think obviously the the submission game of brian ortega is is the x factor um i don't know how much it's going to come into play i i wonder um is brian ortega gonna gonna be content to strike with yair rodriguez for for quite a bit if so i, I definitely think the edge is in uh yair's uh favor um but i mean i'm intrigued to see how this matchup plays out and, and quite frankly, like where it plays out, I think is going to be the most interesting factor. Yeah, I definitely want to add to that because we in a couple of minutes, because I know a lot of that was talked about on the way in show. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. But AK, this is a great fight. We talked about it a lot this morning as the fighters were stepping to the scale. But how good is this main event? How what does this main event do for the gymnastics scale for this card? How much of a boost does it give it to the uh, to the AK Lee scale? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. I love it. I think it elevates it almost like, well, this is actually a really good card already. But yeah, with with this main event, it makes it takes it up into like the nine range, like maybe the 8.8, 8.9, nine range. Like it's right up there. And like, I almost wish we didn't have to talk about what does this mean for, oh, the featherweight title picture. And because it's just it's just it's it's such a great fight. And I, and I hope that whoever loses it's, you know, they're not thought of less like if Ortega loses. They say, oh, this guy's never getting back to a teleshot. Or if Yair loses, I mean, he'll probably take a lot more flack. You know, oh, this guy can't win the big one. This guy can't get over, you know, an elite featherweight to get that title shot. Because, um, look, he looked he looked good against Max Holloway. I mean, it was a, I think it was a clear loss, but he looked good in that fight. So, so as you kind of said, like, just from a sheer quality of martial arts the quality of the fighters even a bit i think a bit of star power i think both guys have kind of a star quality to them um it's a great fight so uh i, I understand people maybe want to see yair win so we have a fresh challenge at 145 um ortega possibly gets the rematch because that first fight with um volkanovsky was so good but more likely you know uh, the ufc would, would just line up by uh, yeah, a year should should he win on saturday so um it has to be talked about 
But even if this wasn't for uh, a, a number one contenders opportunity, as Yair says, uh, he has been told it will be. Uh, even if that's not the case, it's it's a it's a great fight that everyone should tune into, and uh, I, and it's great we got five rounds because this one could go the distance. Uh, I, I, there's a chance for a finish too, but I'm leaning towards this one probably going all the way. So um, I do like uh, I do like that it is a main event and it's getting its uh, full 25 minutes. You know, Greg, kind of going back to the the stylistic part of the fight, because a lot of people feel like this is your classic catch-as-catch-can, striker versus grappler. For Yair to win, it's got to stay on the feet. For Ortega to win, this has to hit the floor at some point. We saw Ortega stand up just getting better and better. We saw it in the zombie fight. It, he wasn't completely blown out of the water in the stand-up by Volkanovski. Volkanovski is just so tricky. and could do that to anybody, including Max Holloway. But we've seen the evolution of Ortega as a striker. But one of the questions we talked about on the weigh-in show this morning was, Yair is full of chaos. He is technical, but he takes a lot of chances. Sometimes those chances work out. Other times they could prove to be kind of devastating in these performances. And I feel like in this fight in particular, if he takes too many chances, a very opportunistic Brian Ortega could take advantage of it and find the fight to the floor. So do you feel that for Yair Rodriguez to find his best path to victory – AK mentioned the word boring. Yair can't be boring, but does he have to be a little less exciting on the feet to win this fight? Or can he be the same old Yair and take those chances that he typically takes? I think he has to be the same Yair. I would argue that um, it's a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways, right? It may be his best path to victory. Um, to be able to to create that chaos and not give Brian Ortega the look that he knows he might be able to see and, and get comfortable with. Um, but it could open him up for somebody who is one of the best, you know, submission guys that we have, at least in that division or, or possibly in the UFC. Um, his ability to submit people in any round has has been well proven. He, he can do it in the first round or the fifth round or the third, you know, as we as we saw against Volkanovski. He's always dangerous in that aspect. But if I was Yair Rodriguez, I would imagine that the game plan is to be Yair Rodriguez and not try to um, maybe meat and potatoes uh, the approach and, and try to give him something um, that's, you know, that standard maybe like Muay Thai or kickbox or even boxer um, approach. I, I would be the exciting um, dynamic striker that Yair is. It It is worked for him. Quite frankly, like it is his it is how he has been so successful is being that that type of fighter. So I I would imagine that we don't see it but i would be uh, if we did i would imagine it actually hurts his chances to be honest do you agree with that ak and on sort of the other end of it can ortega is there any chance he has to win a stand-up battle with yair like if he can't if he can't get this fight to the mat can he still win this fight in your opinion or do you feel like this is as 49 46 at maybe a 50 45 written all over it no, of course. Look, we've seen, like we said, uh, Ortega has improved a lot. The, the version that we saw against Zombie, great stand-up. Um, people can say that maybe Zombie was on the decline. You know, if you want to start nitpicking that win, but for what it was, I think at like at face value, Ortega clearly improved in striking. He's a great athlete. He's always had a bit of power, and to see him kind of put it together on the feet uh, was really encouraging. Was really encouraging. Um, again, just because he couldn't like say I'll strike a, a Volkanovski does not is not an indictment of his skills. Volkanovski, again, on our uh, MA fighting rankings, the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world, uh, one of the best stand-up fighters in any division. So uh, that's just another level that Ortega hasn't reached yet. The question is, is he reached like the Yair Rodriguez level? Um, because we also know how, like, kind of how far he came if you just look at the difference between, you know, um, 
the Volkanovski fight and the zombie fight and the Max the first Max Holloway fight, right? So I I personally don't think he's at the air level yet, but there is some, certainly something there to work with. He is not like a he is not a fish out of water on the feet, not anymore. He's not just an athlete. He's not just a guy with power. He's got technical ability. Um, I wouldn't favor it. But when you add in the threat of a takedown, when you add in the threat of grappling, uh, if you can do good work in the, if you can get some clinch situations, do some good work in there, that throws everything off, right? That that throws off the equation. This it, it will it will very likely not be just a straight striking battle. You know, this isn't like a spar. Um, this is this isn't necessarily going to be a technical thing. Um, as uh, as uh, New York Rick said, you know, we could see that kind of the 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 good chaotic, wild, uh, creative year still, uh, and in that sense, there could be openings for our ticket to exploit. I'm not sure. So for me, I, I am still kind of sticking with what I said before that like I do think if a year wants to keep this strictly standing and win and really convincingly win a stand-up battle, it might behoove him to uh, be you know more cautious, maybe not take as many risks as he usually does. But uh, I, I, I like I, I don't know if that's safe path, best path to victory. I'm just a very conservative, safe person, uh, and I see that uh, a pop at least a couple of rounds possibly playing out that way before maybe Ortega gets a little more desperate and forces uh, forces a year's hand. And uh, and maybe makes him fight a little more, uh, a little more off uh, off game plan, as it were. So, um, so yeah, I I I don't think Ortega uh, is completely out of it if it becomes just a stand up battle. But I would lean far far in uh, yeah, your Rodriguez's direction. Of course, you get some landscaping going on outside the house. I just can't get through a show without something <laughs> catastrophic happening uh, from an audio standpoint. But what is at stake here, New York, Rick? I know we like to sometimes just enjoy these fights for what they are, for the martial arts, for the actual matchup itself. But there are stakes here. Yair talked about if he wins, UFC is pretty much guaranteed him a title fight. I tend to agree with him. I feel like if he does win, he will jump over Josh Emmett. We'll get the title shot against Alexander Volkanovsky. Not sure if you agree with that or not, but what is that stake for Brian Ortega here? Is it possible that if he goes out there and just has a sensational performance, is there a chance the UFC goes back to that well? Will he have to fight a Josh Emmett to maybe get back to that well? And how catastrophic would a loss be for Brian Ortega coming off of that Volkanovsky fight in his previous outing? Yeah, I think if Ortega comes out there and absolutely styles on Yair Rodriguez, I think he's I think he's leapfrogging Josh Emmett. I think if they wanted to give Josh Emmett this shot, they would have had him sit in cage side and done it already. So I think this is a wait and see that they're that they're taking. They're going to see what Yair and Brian have to offer, um, and then potentially float one of them into the title picture. So I think it could be either. I think Yair is obviously the more likely candidate just because of the fresh matchup. Um, but I think if because of the fact that Ortega was so close to beating Volkanovski again, like if you look at that fight in totality, Volkanovski was was dominant. But there were moments, uh, multiple moments where. Ortega almost finished Volkanovski, which would have been in- extremely impressive. So I think you can sell that um, in a rematch. I, th- I think everybody has looked at that guillotine choke uh, a thousand times, um, including both of the competitors. So um, I think you could sell that. And I-, and I think there's an opportunity for him to, to jump Emmett for sure. Right now, according to our friends at DraftKings, the they have Brian Ortega minus 170 favorite comeback on Yaya Rodriguez. Plus 145, AK, as you tell people all the time, always bet on MMA, be a degenerate, bet on every single fight, find a prop for every single fight. Who are we picking here? Who gets this one done? Is it the favorite Brian Ortega, or are we going with Yair Rodriguez possibly to enter his first UFC title fight? 
First of all, uh, never bet on MMA, but if you must, uh, DraftKings, promo code, the MMAR. Uh, but I am I have been saying, I think since this matchup was made, I've liked Ortega's chances. Uh, he, you said he's, he's, the, he's favorite. You said like minus 145, something like that? Minus 175? Minus 170 for minus 170. Ortega. And I think that's accurate. I, I just think he's the more well-rounded guy. I think we have seen him... Um, I want to say we've seen him perform better against sort of uh, elite competition. Again, you don't want to necessarily go to MMA math, but um, Ortega, you know, outstruck Chan Sung Jung. Yair was kind of on his way to losing a decision against Zombie before landing the greatest strike in MMA history. Um, Yair got, you know, handled by Frankie Edgar. Ortega knocked out Frankie Edgar. Um so MMA math is, is not solution for anything for sure, but it, it has to be looked at. My, my, there's just so many question marks around year. I know we all like we we love his striking. Um, we see him as a potential star. He just hasn't gotten that. He hasn't proven that he can really knock off that elite name yet. Um, how many opportunities has he had? Again, not that many. But his best win is probably Zombie, which uh, you know is a fight that that really wasn't wasn't necessarily going his way. Probably was going to lose a decision um, before hitting that elbow. So. I, I'm probably just going with what I know. We see Yair so infrequently; it is possible maybe this. Hey, maybe he's peaked in training. This is the best Yair we're ever going to see. He's going to make me look like a complete dummy and just you know win a, a 50-45 decision against Ortega or or get a highlight reel knockout somewhere in the first three rounds. That's all possible, but uh, I'm going with, with what I thought from the beginning and and this what I think is a safe pick. And I'll say Ortega. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to finish them, though. I think Ortega does go the decision. I think Ortega wins it. Rick, what do you think? How, how does this how does this card end tomorrow? Yeah, I, I think I think the odds are about right here. I don't see much value in, in either direction. I, I kind of this is how I see the fight. I I give that very slight edge to to Ortega. I think he just has more ways to 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 end this fight and opportunities to do it. But man, there's there's something gnawing at me that really makes me think that Yair is a live dog here. And again, like the odds are not are not uh, very wide, so it, it, you know I'm not going out on a huge limb here. But I could see a path to victory where Ortega's just not having the success on the feet that he thinks he's having, and then potentially once he gets it to the ground, Yair is a little more difficult um, to take advantage of there than than perhaps uh, thought. And and I could see a, a world where Yair is able to pull it out. I mean, you just look at the performance against that he had against Max Holloway, and and it has been a while now, so it's it's hard to uh, remember. It's it's not as fresh, but man, he looked fantastic. He really did against what i think is you know the second best uh featherweight in the world so um i i have a lot of respect for yair skills i think he's a live dog but i think these odds are are right about where they should be i am with you i think ortega should be the favorite i don't think he's it's it's that wide of a favorite i think it's probably lined and priced perfectly i think yair is a dog and i'm gonna look at it as sometimes when i make these picks what i think they're actually closer to 50-50. It's like someone hands me $20. Here, you can only bet on this fight. What are you going to put this $20 on? You have to find some value in Yair, but I'm going to look at a certain prop that I would put it on, and that's Yair to win by decision, plus 330. I feel like if Yair is going to win, he is going to win by decision. I don't think he finishes Brian Ortega. If there is a finish in this fight, I probably lean towards a Brian Ortega submission over a Yair KO, but... I think Yair could get it done. I think it's going to be a close fight. I think it's going to come down to the fifth round. And give me Yair to, to sort of eke it out in the fifth round. Uh, plus 330 is, is the line for Yair by decision. So I'm going to go with that. Give me Yair. But 
if Brian Ortega went out there and just smushed Yair and submitted him in the second or third round, that wouldn't stun me either. So great fight, great main events. Very happy with this one and uh, should be a great way to close the show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Co-main event, we got Michelle Watterson Gomez versus Amanda Lemos. Li Jing Liang is back, taking on the King of Kung Fu, Muslim Salikoff, Matt Schnell, Sumaderji. Shane Burgers, Charles Jordan is probably the correct answer here for all of us. But uh, outside of the main event, AK, what's the fight you're looking forward to the most and why is it Burgers Jordan? No, Bantamweights. Bantamweights. Listen, uh, Burger Chardin, it's it's not even low key, right? It's 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 it was the fight, it was booked. We're all like, "Oh yeah, well, mark your calendar. Uh this is such a this is such a smart card to put on. Uh sorry, excuse me, such a smart fight to put on this card. Shane Burgos, a New York boy, Charles Jordan, a good old Canadian boy, uh who you know is going to put on an exciting fight. So w- win or lose, um, you know, these guys could be in line for a bonus, right? We could be talking fight of the night. Uh you know, and you know, um Shane Burgos when we pumped about that. So, it, yeah, that's going to be a good one. It could be an exciting finish too but uh, but that's been a great fight but i love uh the ricky simone um jack shore matchup it's it's two guys who are just it's unfortunate that they're in such a deep division with the records they have with the guys they've beaten with the the runs they've been on they would be like top 15 already uh in the mma fighting global rankings in in several other divisions but bantamweight's really deep it's a kind of veteran heavy at the top or at least like three or four of the spots in the in the top 15 are being held down by big names by veteran fighters um and until ricky simone or jack shore can get one of those guys uh, to to sign on to fight them they're kind of left to fight each other and all the other killers like in the middle of that bantamweight pack so that's what we're seeing here so unfortunately whoever wins this one likely is not going to move very far in the rankings but I hope in the eyes of the fans and I hope um, people who watch the fight like will – I think that win or lose, both guys will rise as far as esteem goes. And at some point, one of these guys is going to get a big fight. And you know, this is a fight we'll look back on when one of these guys is in the top 12, top 10, maybe even top 5 someday and go like, wow, this was like we saw two, you know, two of the best up-and-comers going at it. Um, 
and uh, maybe they'll even re- rematch again in the future. But yeah, super great talents. Bantamweight is just an amazing division, and these guys are an example of it of how, just how deep it is. So I'm really excited about that one. Do you agree with AK, New York Rick? Is there another fight on this card outside of the main event that uh, is getting you all fired up? Is it Burgos Jordan? Is it something a little more off the board like this one? What do you think? It's definitely those. Uh, Schnell versus Sumer Darji. I would really like that fight too. Um, Schnell's uh, quite a big dog there. I, I like that matchup. I, I think that's going to be an interesting one, one way or another. That's that's going to be fun. Uh, but it's it's Misha Tate versus Laura Murphy for me. Just the stakes are there. It's it's the Valentina Shevchenko audition for Misha Tate. Welcome to the to the flyweight division. Here's your ticket. Can you can you cash it? And that to me, that the stakes and the intrigue there, I just can't you know get away from. It, it is very interesting to me. And watching her weigh in this morning, I gotta admit, like she looks like a, a flyweight. Like I, it didn't look like a bantamweight coming down. And I don't know if that's going to work in her favor. Like Lauren Murphy is going to be big in there. So I, I, you would expect that coming down from bantamweight, uh, you know, Misha, Misha would be physical, but I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays out um, with, with Misha being a favorite over Murphy. So uh, that's the one that, that has the intrigue for me. Uh, I, I it, it's the ticket for Valentina. Can Misha Tate take advantage of it and cash it? That, that to me is the, is the drama on this card. Yeah, that is a big one. The stakes are very high there. Misha Tate, a minus 210 favorite, New York Rick. Are you surprised that it's that wide? I am because, as I said, like she looks like a flyweight. You know, this isn't this is going to be a weight bully situation where she's coming coming from bantamweight and coming down, and and all of a sudden she's the big dog in the division. If you know, it's going to look like you know two equal size competitors or Murphy even having the advantage there size wise. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm surprised by that. I have to admit, you know, being an, an unproven flyweight, I will say as far as shape goes she looked tremendous she, you know the cut was on point um but I, I am a little bit surprised i have to admit I'm, I'm surprised she's as big a favorite um having not fought in this division before and going up against a you know former title challenger yeah it's a pretty solid card simone jack shore is, is a fantastic fight soriano Lungimbula probably not going to the cards bill Algiel, herbert burns will be fun jacoby down jung is fun dwight grant dustin stoltz first both guys who really need a win here so the stakes are high for those guys for a different reason and then jessica penny the wily vet as an underdog welcoming the most recent invicta fc strawway champion emily decody uh who's a minus 150 favorite to, to kick off the show so fun card early day mma just the way we like it what are the peeps saying casey what are the peeps saying about the UFC's latest trips to Long Island, on Long Island. Oh, hi, 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 how's everyone hey, buddy. doing? Hey, 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 hey. Wonderful, hey, Rick. buddy. Wonderful. Hey, Rick. Um, look, there's, there's some comments about um, Michelle Waters and Gomez's new haircut, which I'm not going to put on. There's, but, like, some hate on, the, on our new haircut. I don't know. It's just, if she likes it, she likes it, but whatever. Um, here we go. Why First are we hating story. the haircut? I don't know. I'm giving it a thumbs up. Do do what you want to do. There you go. Yeah, you saw it. You saw it. Eric, Eric, exactly. It was good. It's fine. People are weird. Should the Simone Shore fight be on the main card? If you guys do think so, which main card fight should it replace? I I don't know. This one kind of seems obvious, but I understand why that the fight that's on the main card is on the main card. But AK, what do you think? Should it be on the main card, or do you think it's where it should be? 
you could swap it with Schnell and Sumidergy, but I think Sumidergy and Schnell, I always say flyweights need more exposure. So, yeah, I have no issue. This is a deep card. This is a deep card. Um, Bill Aljo, Herbert Burns would also be a good main card fight. Uh, Dustin Jacoby, Don Jung is also a really good fight. So, this is just, I mean, look, there's, they, they, they are, it's already a six fight main card, you know, a six fight um, ESPN plus, uh, AB, oh, excuse me, ABC card. Um, so, what are you going to like? Something has to be bumped down. Uh, I, I'm certainly, and like I said, I'm not going to make a strong case that the flyweight fight shouldn't be on there because flyweight fights are always relegated to the uh, to the prelims. And uh, Machinel Sumidergy could be like a really exciting matchup. So, yeah, it sucks. I mean, I'd love I'd love if Simone uh, Shore was on there instead, but I'm just, top to bottom that main card is really strong. There's really nothing I think is an obvious like demotion candidate. Yeah, Simone Shore is going to be a 15 minute just clap. Those two are going to get after it. It's going to be a very close decision. Well, I think that match now, Sumadirji is not getting out of the first round. One way or another, there's probably going to be a finish pretty quickly in that fight. Either Schnell is going to catch a neck and choke out Sumadirji, or Sumadirji is going to crack him one and, and, and put his body on the canvas. But I actually don't mind Simone Shore being on the spot that they're at. I think the UFC is trying to build interest for ABC. And I think if you put this card on early and you're trying to entice people to stick around and watch the rest of the fights... Here we are. Maybe it hurts the bonus structure. I know how Casey feels about that, but what do you think, Derek? Do you think this is this Simone Shore fight is put in the right spot, or should it be replacing something else? I might not be the right person to ask about this because philosophically, I have to admit, I really don't care about card placement stuff. It does not, but I I could not care less. I really d- don't care about this fight should be on the prelims and this fight should be on the main card. It doesn't bother me. It's where we're all watching eight hours of fighting. Who cares? Like it is what it is now it, to the point you made at the very end, maybe that does affect, you know, when you're on the main card, you might be more um, sought. Uh, the, the bonuses may be, um, you know, easier for you to win. Uh, but I really don't. Who cares? It is where it is. Let's just enjoy the fights. I'm sorry. I'm more I'm more on on your side with this, Derek Rick. Casey and I have gone into some heated debates yeah. about card <laughs> placement, why things are where they are. But uh, Casey, I'm sure you agree with with John here. You think this should probably be on the main card? Um, actually, I do. Um, I do think card placement is very important for fighter careers. Um, even our preview shows, like because um, uh, Watterson and Limoche are the co-main event, we gave it time. If it was the opening fight on the main card. We wouldn't have talked about it. We wouldn't have just mentioned it, you know. And it could have been the opening fight in the main card. I don't think that's really a, a true co-main event. You know, it's just kind of a, a good fight that's near the top of the card. Um, but personally, I would have liked it over uh, Lee uh, and um, – how do you say his last name? Salah? Salakov, the king of the king of Kung Fu. I, I get that's going to be I – get, I, get, I, get I get why it's on the main card because they think it's going to be pure excitement. Uh, along with, uh, say, Burgos Jordan, but um, it, it's not the worst. It's not the worst. At least it's not opening up the card. That's all. Um, but this isn't though. This isn't the weirdest, weirdest card placement I've seen in the UFC at all. Now, if this is a women's flyweight fight between two prospects. Casey would be getting after her right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> Aaron Blanchfield right and uh... <laughs> well, I'm, dude, Aaron Blanchfield, man, she's going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there, no, I there, know, are I four, there are four Invicta champions on this card. Four Invicta <laughs> yes. champions. There are four Invicta champions. Yes. Correct. <laughs> All right. Uh, see uh, Eleven. All right, David. All right. I like. On, I like on the, the Richter scale. That's that's dangerous. 
11. Isn't that, like, isn't that like Earth? Isn't that like the Earth is like cracking yeah. in half at that point? Yeah. I think like I think that, that, 11 that, on the Earth just That's goes, California just goes into the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. That's an ELE. That's an ELE. That's an extinction level event. I don't think you, that, I think yeah. that's a good thing. Bring it down, Mr. Sandine. Nice, dude. Good ELE <laughs> drop right there. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, biggest concern where's Josh Emmett sitting? Wow. See, he should be cage side for this fight. This makes more sense, him sitting cage side than the title fight. Because at no point, at no, and, and the, I don't, I don't want to sound like a Josh Abbott hater, but at no point did anybody in a powerful position in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, Dana White or anybody else, say, Josh Emmett's next. He's the guy fighting for the title. He's sitting cage side. No one said that. Nobody said that. So it's just one of those situations where it's like, you feel like you're going to win the Grammy award and you stand up, like you're getting ready to walk up to the stage and then they call somebody else's name yet. You still walk up to the stage and they're like, no, nah, we didn't call your name, dude. Like we called this guy's name. Moby won the award. Sit on down. Like, I feel like that's kind of where Josh is. And Josh has a, a compelling case. Josh has a case to fight for the belt right now, but I feel like Josh, like Josh Abbott should be cornering Brian Ortega right now. He should be in his corner, helping him win. Because that's where he should be sitting, in Brian Ortega's corner, helping him win. Because if Josh Emmett wants to get to a title fight, Brian Ortega winning tomorrow is the best thing that could happen to him. What do you think, AK? AK is, I mean, this is, this hey, is compelling. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, he def- it's weird. I've been putzing around with the button, my bad. Uh, he definitely should be rooting for an Ortega win. Uh, I, lo- I love the idea of him. Yeah, that he, he should have found a way to get an Ortega's team or the opposite. You know, he should have been in Rodriguez's corner and like sabotaging him. That that would have been the other option. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it just listen, uh, I, I, I feel for him. I understand. I have a big inferiority complex. Uh, so I, I feel for him that I would feel all those slights, all these like slights that Faber's perceiving and that Emmett is perceiving. Like I'm with him on that, man. Like I, I when I was reading what like Faber uh, telling that story. I was like, I, I get it. You're right. No, no, you know, no one is owed anything in the UFC. Josh Emmett is, of all people, especially, is probably pretty low on their VIP list, uh, unfortunately. But I do wish there'd be some respect for, you know, he just won a main event, a close call, whoever, whatever you want to call it controversial, that's fine. But officially, he was the winner, beats Calvin Cater, um, and has done, and just frankly, has done a lot of great work at 145. So uh, I do wish he'd be getting some love. So I like the question from from Saul Goodman. Um, where is he sitting? Uh, I, I mean, I, obviously, I don't think he'll be at this card. I get it's a choking question, but I hope the next time Emmett is invited, or do we know that Emmett's there? Uh, yes, and that's to me that's the issue. That is the issue. That's he why Emmett. That's why Emmett will not get a title shot because Emmett should have been like all the last two weeks. You've been calling UFC PR, go like get me a flight, get me to get me on Long Island. Yeah, I like that on Long Island. Nice. <laughs> I'm a local. And uh, yeah, and that's the problem. And even when we talk about Josh Emmett, you keep saying, we always say, well, Josh Emmett officially won his last fight. He, that needs to be eliminated from conversation. Like, he'll never get a title shot if, you, if we keep adding that little, well, technically he's on a winning streak because, you know, we saw the last fight. A lot of us had different opinions on it. And Josh Emmett needs to get out there, get in that front row, be out of character, who he really is a little bit, if he, want, if he wants to make that fat stack. You know, he's got to you know, make noise. And, and that's, that's the sport. That's the game we play. That's this game. Fighting is just part of it. The rest of it is, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, give me a title shot. I won that fight. Look, you know, 
but um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we should be surprised by this. Like, th this is what it is. The UFC is looking to give anybody but Josh Emmett a title shot. They're yeah. looking for either of these guys to get the opportunity over Josh Emmett. If Josh Emmett wants that shot, he has to grab it. He has to snatch it. It's not, they didn't give me a seat so I couldn't do my call out. Figure it out. Find a way. Call out Call out the champ. Call out one of the guys here. Find a way to make it happen. Other, other fighters have done it in the past. It, it will work. Uh, but just waiting for the opportunity on merit is is not going to happen. And, you know, d d to Casey's point, debate who won that fight. And it's going to be, you know, harder for Josh to make that case. So he, ne he needs to be doing everything he can, including potentially sitting here uh, on Long Island. Josh, yep. don't listen to these guys. Josh, be yourself. <laughs> just be yourself. Listen, if there's anything I learn from every generic romantic comedy from the mid 90s to the like probably 2010s starring a you know a, a, some you know b-level comedian just be yourself in the end that is that is what will get you what you want that will get you the girl josh emmett in this case the girl is a teleshot that will get it. just be yourself don't listen to us we're just trying to we're just trying to stir up controversy and controversy and create clicks and we don't we don't care about you don't listen to us be yourself josh emmett that's that's key. that's always works at the ufc uh, yep, he could be himself as he watches Brian Ortega and Yaya Rodriguez jump <laughs> over him in the bid to become a, a world champion. So, oh, by the way, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, not that this had anything to do with it, but this card will be available to watch on ESPN Plus as well. ESPN Plus about to get a little bit of a bump up, $6.99 to $9.99 what? Uh, on August August 23rd, according to Bloomberg, who is reporting this. 43% uh, uh, hike. Starting August twenty third. Wow, so. that's a that's there a you go. That's a that's a big that's a big jump. That is a big jump. It was four ninety nine like a year ago, and then it went to six ninety nine. Now it's nine ninety nine. So we have more than uh, doubled the well, price. Connor came back, so that uh, you know got to got to bump it up already right there. Uh, yeah, I know that, that's that's a lot. That's a lot out of the pocket. I will say, if you're if you're a common sports fan, if if you like mainstream sports and fighting. You're still getting a good deal, but if you're just a fight fan, this is this is hurting the pockets for sure. Yes, yeah, and it is still yeah. it is still more expensive to watch Bellator in the United States non pay per view <laughs> than it is to watch the UFC. So there you go. No comment. What's the Showtime? We don't have Showtime in Canada. What is that? What's the Showtime um, membership? Ten ninety nine a month. So it'll be nine a dollar cheaper. A dollar cheaper to watch three UFC events a month, and then a dollar more to watch one Bellator event a month. We uh yeah, we don't have you get more of Showtime than just MMA guys. Yeah, so well you get more of the ESPN Plus. You get more of the ESPN Plus than MMA. But, so, but I just I just bootlegged the cornhole championships. I just I just I just I don't I stream. There's other stuff. I, I play on legal streams. Uh, right. Shout outs to my to my Canadians. I see Elijah Dream in the comments. I believe a a, a card carrying member of uh, the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. Shout out to Elijah Dream. Uh, yeah, Canada baby. We got it on TSN. We don't have Fight Pass up here. We don't have Fight Pass or Showtime up here. So we get it on TSN and uh, those of us who still use Fight Pass for some of the other prelims. Just so sorry guys. You guys got America problems. I don't know. I, I wouldn't know about it. <laughs> That's, that's the only problem we have in America. That's it. We couldn't survive that. $9.99 US, $9.99 a month US, that's like $200 Canadian a month. So thank God because, I mean, that would just take us out. The whole economy. If they introduce ESPN Plus up here, $9.99 a month, like USD, the whole economy just collapses. The execs like at TSN are, are counting the money right now. Yeah, yeah. They're watching really this well. and, and they're already launching the plans. I like how you guys spell sports center up there. 
Sports Centre. Sports Centre. Centre. We also put a U. And it's S P O U R T S. Sports. A little bit back. A little bit back to the main event. Why doesn't anyone talk about how Zombie outstruck a year for the most part at Ortega outstruck technically a more mature Zombie after? We did multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why does anyone talk about this? Oh, no, like, sorry, sorry. Like, sorry. Actually, I wanted to bring up this one, actually. A little bit different. And Ortega outstruck a more mature and technically evolved Zombie. So, like, MMA math kind of indicates Ortega will hang. So why is everyone fading Ortega's hands? No one's fading Ortega's hands, but it's a, it's a question for this fight, oh, right? Yes. It's definitely I, a question. No one's fading I Ortega's think, hands. I, I agree that it means something, I'll say. I agree that it means something, and, and I thought you made the, the case well earlier, but I don't think it means a lot, I'll be honest. I, I, I think those styles are, are so different that I really don't think that it's as simple as on the feet, this person looked good against this person, and on the feet, this person looked slightly worse against this person. I tend to think that's an oversimplification, and and the the other threats and tools and things that are involved in that fight don't get kind of get counted into that. How how defensive does somebody have to be? Are they worried about takedowns? Are they worried about this? Was the game plan this? Um, I, I don't really love that kind of MMA math. And, and I think if you're going to do this MMA math, are you essentially saying that Brian Ortega is a better strike, quote unquote, striker? Than Yair Rodriguez, I would argue that you that that's not true. Um, so so I don't I don't love to just one to one this type of thing. Well, that's actually why I kind of brought this question up because I don't want to I don't want to go into the you know what what does this guy get if he wins or whatever. But for me, if Ortega is going to get a title shot a title shot after this victory, he needs to knock out Yair of his hands. Hmm. It's got to be like he's got to win the stand up and dominate the stand up because to me that will be the difference for the fans to go, oh, Ortega has gotten better because right now we, you know, everyone knows Ortega's incredibly dangerous on the ground. If he gets Volkanovski on the ground, maybe he will get him next time. But if, if Ortega just looks amazing, just pieces up Yair for 25 minutes or even finishes him, I think that might be enough momentum for Ortega, for the fans, media, everyone to kind of go, you know what? And maybe Ortega himself will even push it too because I think he should get that a rematch with Volkanovski. That's why I kind of bring, even though I don't believe that, I still think Yair is more dangerous overall in the mixed martial arts uh, stand-up. But Ortega has made great strides and improved, you know. I mean, I mean that's why they fight. I mean, our, our, everything changes, so. Can, can I bring you one insight from Media Day that kind of is on the parallel path here? Uh, Ortega basically said, heading into that Volkanovski fight and even before that, he's kind of been neglecting his his submissions and his grappling. He, it, it was such his bread and butter. It was so good for him that he was so focused on building the other things and developing his striking and, and completing the rest of his mixed martial arts game. It seemed like, and, and I'm not, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but if you, if you go watch our uh, media day interview on the YouTube, on the MMA fighting YouTube channel, it seemed like what he was basically saying was there were some mistakes that he spotted in those submissions that if he gets another opportunity, he will put, uh, Volkanovski to sleep that he will not he will not be deficient in that area and he will he will finish the fight next time and it, it was hard not to be compelled by it to be completely honest with you if if this guy is going back into the lab and saying like my jujitsu was so good that I wasn't even you know putting the time and energy into it and I was focused so much on building my hands but I'm going back in the lab and really working on this jujitsu and making sure that nobody can ever escape 
Um, that's a dangerous dude right there. So um, I, I have to admit, you know, sitting there on media day, listening to him say it, I was compelled. I, I would be interested to see if if he gets another opportunity, could he actually finish it this time and put the, the what MMA fighting now has the number one pound for pound fighter out. Um, so, yeah, I, I believe in, in Brian Ortega's uh, ability to finish a fight. Um, either on the feet or on the ground and i think you make a good point though casey if, if he can finish it on the feet what what's left like he can finish it anywhere so i uh, i'm with you cool uh do you guys think tate is overlooking murphy giving the stakes uh, i don't think so i think uh, i i think i think the mma community is overlooking yeah. murphy a yeah. lot more than misha tate is mm-hmm. one that I mean, came a shoe <laughs> Yeah, Jed Mishu has had Lord, has had Misha winning this fight from Jump Street since the fight yeah. was announced, and I mean everyone's just already like, "Oh, when's Valentina gonna fight Misha Tate for the title?" Like, Lauren's Lauren is game, and to to New York Rick's point, one of the things I kept hearing was, "Well, Misha's coming out from bantamweight, so she's gonna be able to body Lauren Murphy." Lauren, you wait till you see the face off. Wait till you see the face off and see. Lauren Murphy's probably the bigger fighter. Lauren Murphy Lauren, will be the bigger fighter on Saturday. Lauren Murphy 100%. was a, she was a, a successful high level bantamweight before she went to flyweight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people forget that she wasn't always and a Victor flyweight. Champion, yeah. Victor Victor champion. Champion. She, her, yeah. her first few fights in the UFC were a bantamweight too. Yeah, I, I, she, I, I, and she had a tough start because I thought I thought she actually won the Leslie was it Leslie Smith fight? I forget whoever she fought first. I thought she beat Sarah Coffin. Or Sarah McMahon. No, Sarah McMahon. Sarah McMahon. That's Sarah who. McMahon. Yeah, I thought look, she won that fight. You could make a case she beat Liz Carmouche. Then she won her next fight, and then she lost to Caitlin Chukagian, a fight she took on like super short notice. Chukagian was making her debut. I didn't think there's any controversy there. I thought Chukagian won that fight, but you know what I mean? Like she could still be at 35 right now. Can I just poo-poo another thing, another like New York Rick philosophical don't believe in? I did card placement. Now I'm going with if you talk about fighting the champion, you're overlooking your opponent. I'm I'm just so over like oh, people oh, thinking that this yes, is a real yes. thing. Thank this you, is not you. real. Valentina like, said her name first. Valentina said yeah, her name but first. But also every fighter pictures themselves against that champion. Every fighter is is looking for that opportunity. Every fighter has that person in mind. They're not not thinking about their opponent opponent in front of them just because of that. Now, granted, Misha, as I said, has that ticket right. It's almost punched. It's right there. But I think she knows, as many fighters do that you have to complete that part to then punch the ticket. And it looks good when, you know, somebody says that and then they fall and every fan goes, ah, they didn't really have their eye on the ball. They were thinking about this other person. But when it's successful, when you're Conor McGregor and you're calling your shot every single time and and punching the ticket again and again and again, we don't think back about that one. It's only the time when they lost because they had their eye off the ball. Don't buy it. Everybody's thinking about fighting the next opponent. Everybody's thinking about moving up. Everybody's thinking about fighting the champion. Misha Tate knows what she needs to do. If anybody's overlooking her, uh, overlooking Lauren Murphy, it's it's more the the collective fan base and 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 betters and things like that. It's not Misha Tate. She knows what she has to do to get that opportunity. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I think there's a lot of confirma- confirmation bias, right? That comes up. You're right. When depending on when the result happens, oh, we were right or we were wrong. Um, I don't know if it was this commenter who asked the question, Joseph Bellotti. Someone else said earlier that they said uh, Tate Tate isn't just overlooking Murphy. She's forgotten that Lauren Murphy exists, uh, which I thought was a funny line. But yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I, I also think it's like it's it's um, 
there's just not a lot to say about her match. I think there's just not a lot to say about her matchup with Lauren Murphy. She's getting more Valentina questions. I, I think people should know usually when they see like when we send it's, out like it's a the media. Like, like a sass- we're asking the questions. Yeah, yeah. People people will get see like a sassy quote graphic like that we make like I may fight on our socials and it's like oh I can't why are they talking about this person? It's like someone asked. Ninety nine times out of ten, some people are really good about like some people are really great at cutting promos and hitting a number of targets and they offer these things like unsolicited. But a lot of the time, it's like they were asked. They were asked in an interview, or they were asked at a scrum, they were asked on their on their podcast. Um, so it, they were asked. Not nine nine out of ten times, guys, you're wondering why is someone talking with somebody else? They were asked, you know, and and they can say no and decline not to, to talk about them, but they have opinions. They have they want to talk about these things. So um, so there's no reason for them to clam up yeah. about it. And yeah, and as for the matchup, Lauren Murphy, she's about to fight her. There's just not a lot to say. There's not a lot to like personal heat to the matchup. Um, she knows what she has to do. She knows that she has to win. There's just not a really a, any other angle besides it, besides what it means uh, for her if she wins. So. And it's very catch-22 for the fighters, too. So say, like, like uh, Ariel asking a year, you know, are you getting a title shot if you win? He's like, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm fighting Volkanovski if I win. So if he loses, we go, ah, see, you were thinking about a title shot. You know, it's like, it doesn't, yeah, they, they just lose. And if the fighter goes, if the fighter pulls like a Robbie Lawler and says, oh, I'm just worried about what's in front of me. And then, then we're like, oh, boo, boring. So it's like, it's just, yeah, we're, all just we're all just whining. Yeah, you can't win. You can't win. Macy Barber was thinking about a title shot when she fought Jessica I. Not tomorrow, but they're all looking at it. And that's why it's so hard for a champion to keep continuously defending their title against these up-and-comers because whether it's Macy Barber or Miranda Maverick or Aaron Blanchfield or Casey O'Neill, like Casey O'Neill can't even fight right now, you best believe she's probably spending 30 to 45 minutes every week watching Valentina Shevchenko fight. Like, that's what you do when you're on the way up and you're not overlooking anybody, but you do take time out of your schedule to scout, to scout the champion a little bit, not because you're overlooking the, your next opponent, but because you're planting seeds in your own mind. Like you're, you're just scouting. That's what you do. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not overlooking. I agree with you hundred percent New York Rick. Yeah. This is silly. <laughs> we should get uh, New York Rick on all the preview shows, at least, for like a, a chunk of it, for the New York Rick uh, poo poo fan opinions Ooh. segment of the of the week, I'm ready. I'll I'll, I'll uh, remote them in. I'll just slack them, and you can read them out. Dead bolting the narrative with New York Rick. I, I like I like I like I like poo poo. I like poo poo. Yes, I've come, I've come here to poo poo. Here comes it. Here comes it. How many kids? I, I already got a theme song. Yeah, yeah. We're good. Uh, do 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 do. Um. <laughs> uh, we got, we got, um, uh. anything else? While he, while he's doing that, can I just say one thing? Another, another insight from, uh, earlier today, Michelle Waterson has been talking about an atom weight division. If there was, you know, she's been pushing to, to see, see that there would be one. If there was one, I don't know if she can fight for it, fighting it anymore because she doesn't have an ounce to lose at, at straw weight. I mean, That's she was she absolutely shredded. I mean, yeah, yeah, she said a while ago that she she really did not like even want to do it. This is a long time. This is like yeah. two years ago, though, that she said this. Maybe things are different now. I don't know. Maybe things are different now. It was a couple of years ago she said, though, like, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to cut back down to 105. Um, I mean, if you look at her, it, make, it makes a lot of sense. I don't I don't think she could make it without chopping off a limb. Mm-hmm. But money talks yeah. too, and there's championship money if they do create an outweight division. So that might change yeah. things for Michelle. There, Sorry. <laughs> there are some straw weights that that would you know chop off that limb to get down yeah. there to to try and we, get a belt. We have two we have two atom weight champions on this card. So 
Ooh, god dang. Can you imagine a rematch between Penny and Watterson? Were you, were you, at, the, you, know, were you at the first one, Eric? Rick? I wasn't at that oh, one. That I first, came okay. on after. But, oh, I came I on mean, after. Oh, that was like, amazing. One of the best fights I've ever seen. I got to see that cage side, yeah. too. I was like, ah, that's such a good fight. You know who would kill Adam Weight though? Actually, a lot of stars would, but Loma, Loma Lukbunmi would be at Adam Weight. Would I mean she? I think she'd fight for a title for sure. She'd be so good at like at uh, Adam Weight. I think Angela Hill would also be an Adam Weight. She's yeah, I'd like to see that. Uh, let's go to John's question. Do you guys think story? Speaking of Adam Weights, Soriano Lungimbula. Uh, <laughs> do you think this is going to be a one round banger or three rounds of timidity between two muscle bound powerhouses? Rick shaking his head. Why? No, nah, I think I think we're gonna get something fast here. I, I I think they're they're they know they know what they're they're attempting to do here. Uh, I think they're trying to make a statement. So I am not expecting timidity. I mean, does Puna even have that in him? Like, is is Puna like a, a does he have that that gear to like pull it back off the throttle? I, I think he's he's coming for a finish. And uh, yeah, I I do not think we will see timidity. Okay, uh, AK over under one and a half rounds here. I actually think there is a strong chance it goes over. Um, I was looking, at the, and I don't think I don't think it's like an either or. Is this question? I don't think it could be a three round banger. I don't think it necessarily has to be a like a finish early or a just like a fight that's like goes the distance because both guys are inactive. I don't think that's the case. I think it can be a competitive three round fight. Um, Puna's last two fights went to a decision. Uh, Dolce has gone to a decision almost many times in his career as he had finishes. So it's not like both. It's not like both these guys are uh, Puna a little more, but it's not like both these guys are guaranteed like. Uh, highlight real guys um so i i'm actually leaning to, to i think it will go to a decision it'll be competitive it'll be exciting uh it might get a little it might get a little middle weighty there could be some middle weighty moments but i mean that's why this division exists so uh so yeah i i'm gonna go i'm 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 not on the fence i'm the opposite i'm outside the box i'm outside the tw- the uh, question here uh, i think it's three rounds but a three a competitive three rounder not 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 a timid one I love it. I love it. Uh, it's, it's real quick, let's talk about the, uh, the curtain jerker. Y'all think Penny beats Dakota? This is... Uh, listen, Jessica Penny got powerbombed by Luby Godinez. I mean, like, Diesel, 1995, <laughs> WWE, hoisted up slammed on her head power bombed and it was still it was got impressive. the decision there so uh this has splitty written all over it so i don't know i'm torn but i think i i think penny is gonna be very competitive in this fight i'll say that yeah. i lean i lean uh, let me take a quick look what are the I odds i lean dakota too but uh i love penny's grappling and if she can you know get cody all twisted up on the ground um yeah, I think it's just we're gonna find it. We're, we just uh, there's a lot of unknowns in this fight, so we're just gonna have to find out. Honestly, we don't know. We just don't know where Penny is at at, at this point. At where she is at this point in her career. I think she's yeah. thirty upper upper thirties, right? She's thirty nine. Yeah, thirty nine. Which is which thirty nine feels very old for a straw weight. Uh, I mean, I, mean I, I, I don't think I don't. Is she old, is she the oldest straw weight on the roster? Would have to be, I think, thirty-nine. Yeah. yeah. So, um, she's eleven years older, almost exactly eleven years older than um, Emily Dakota. So there's there's a huge gap there. I do like her experience. Um, they have like a similar amount of fights, but I do like how long Jessica Penny has been in the game. This will be 
60, this was her 16th year in MMA. So um, even though, and Dakota only started in um, 2015 and she got busy. So their records actually look somewhat similar. But um, and Dakota's actually, I think, is really good on the ground too. So I don't even know if Penne has a huge advantage there. Dakota's actually really good on the ground. Yeah. Dakota currently a minus 150 uh, favorite. That's pretty strong for a UFC newcomer over someone who challenged for a UFC title. Um, what's the question? Do y'all think Penne beats Dakota? Boy, I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't bet on this fight. I'll tell you, I definitely stay away from it. Um, but she's a very live dog. She's a very a very small underdog, but very live. Yeah, just that, that experience. I think it matters a lot. Minus yeah, one. Dakota just has the momentum right now. She she's she's been on a roll. Thirty nine is a new thirty. You're damn oh, yeah. right, David. <laughs> thirty nine years right. young. He's thirty nine years young. Absolutely. There you go. Thank <laughs> right. you, John. Yeah, John. There you go. <laughs> That's right. I'll bring sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> the real Mike Heck Jr. I love it. that. So he I was he it. was originally the real Mike Heck on BTL last week, and then I was like, listen, I was Mike Heck before. The guy in the middle was Mike Heck, and then he added the junior to it. Like midway through BTL, it was tremendous. Oh, tremendous. My new, my new, my new favorite uh, commenter on these here pages. So I see the window pane, which means we're probably yeah. gonna hear the music right now. Is that what we're about to do? Right. Any final thoughts? Are we we good? Any? Let's enjoy this next two oh, weeks the, of the early poll, day the MMA. Oh, oh, the poll. Yeah. The poll. Uh, I threw this up at the beginning. Who wins Saturday's UFC Long Island main event? 59%. Brian Ortega. So almost 60. Pretty strong. Pretty strong. But not overwhelming. But 59%. I mean, that's that's where the that's odds for, are just That's where the odds are. Yeah, I was like, there yeah. There you go. There you go. Way yeah. to go, people. What's the topology one, Casey? 71% for Ortega. Damn. So All right. A little, a little, a little stronger. Um, the biggest dog on topology is... Uh, do, 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 um, uh, how do you say it? the guy fighting Soriano? <laughs> Lunjambula. Yeah, he's the big. He's the biggest uh, really? underdog on topology. Yeah, I like only, I like Soriano. I only twelve percent. Yeah, yeah. I'm and a little surprised. The, actually, the, what surprised surprise me the most: only fourteen percent of people are picking Michelle Waterson Gomez to win. Only fourteen percent. Fourteen percent, boy. She's the biggest betting underdog. She is on, on the card. Yeah. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Okay, well, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Plus two fifty-five. She's a plus two fifty-five underdog. Which is interesting. That is an interesting little line right there because if she could get out of the first seven minutes of this fight, if she could keep on going, she gets to like the seven oh one mark of this one. Things get real interesting real quick. So, Wait, quick. as it is, bet on every fight. Put some money on Watterson. Yeah, I was going, I was about to roll the music, but this is actually interesting. The, fa- the fact that the UFC put this as the co-main event on ABC mm-hmm. and Limos being such a heavy favorite, are the UFC brass? Are they really behind Limos? Like as far as like pushing her back no, toward? No, I, I think there's a Watterson it, element too. Watterson's one of their favorite people. If you check yeah, but, her, but, you, but you, think, you, you're going to put her on national TV in a co-main event to get her, to get her butt kicked too. Doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. You already you already tuned in. Then they don't. Yeah, that's all they care about. They don't care about the result. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Fair but enough. she's a, she's a, she's main evented a lot of fight night cards. I think her last three I mean, yeah. fight nights were all main well, events. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, that's what I mean. But co-main events are usually kind of I feel like to push someone. Um, but oh, could be so it serves both purposes then. Yeah, it could actually serve both purposes. But I am a little surprised that she's such a she's such a big underdog. There's a lot of faith faith in Lamosh, but it's weird. She's kind of coming off two of her um, less convincing performances, and then then anyway. Uh, but listen, uh, never gamble on MMA. 
Nope. Uh, plus, plus, plus fourteen hundred. Michelle Watterson by split decision. Someone told me I, I would never look into these things myself. Uh, DraftKings uh, promo code uh, the MAR, but never get, never get. <laughs> Just to be clear, Michelle Michelle Watterson should be in like every like every time she fights, she should be in the main or co-main because. She's just so delightful, and no oh. one is going to put over a card and promote a card better than her. Like, she's just, I mean, how could you, she's just so delightful. That I like video, the haircut. Delightful that video of her in Times Square with the ladies and the, the butts. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, come that's, on. That's, that's 10, promotional gold. viewers right there. <laughs> promotional gold right there. 10,000 more viewers right there. Um, and hopefully you'll be viewing us tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. People's pre-fight show right here. We'll get you ready for UFC Long Island. New York Rick will be in the building and on Long Island himself. So on. Until tomorrow, everybody. For AK, for Casey, for New York Rick, I am Mike Heck. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.